Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Righteous and blameless, we were the leaders when we were among you and, and believed. For you know, church, that we dealt with you with each of you, here it is, as a father deals with his own children. How, how does a father deal with his children? Well, Paul lays out three things that I want to talk about today. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Who calls you, he calls you, he beckons you. He calls forward something in you into his kingdom and glory. The title of this conversation is to the men, show up and step up. Show up and step up. Kelly said, wow, you're really going after him. Yeah, show I, I'm, I'm coming after me too. This is for me. I, I, I can be listening as well. This is for, I, I've processed this all this week and weeks before because Stephen gave a phenomenal message last week. And so I had plenty of time to think about dads and men and dads and men and courage and encouraging and urging. And so I looked at my own life and I looked at my dad and I looked at my mom and I looked at the family unit and I looked at the parent and I looked at the culture and the culture is terrifying. It hates the father. Do you know that? Not here, not in this community, not in the kingdom of God. God established the father. We're gonna talk to the fathers today. Uh, but before we do this, um, Keep playing because you're doing phenomenal. Thank you, guys. Uh, my nephew, John, where you at, bro? John, John the Beloved. Come on up, man. Come on up. There's a summon. There's an urge. Come on up. This is my nephew, John. John, what's your middle name? What's your middle name? William. John William. A lot of, a lot of the, the brothers are William, and then they passed it down. It's my dad's name, right? William. Okay. John, you play baseball, right? You love baseball. You eat it up. You live it all the time. Correct? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, there's just a couple questions. So give me your batter stance, bro. Show, show them your batter stance. Them, them, not me, them. All right. They're the pitcher. They're the pitcher. So that's, that's your bat. Oh, almost fell. That's your batter stance, right? So here's my question because I play baseball too here. Let's come more in the light here so they can see us. Um, so this is the batter's box, right? You know about the batter's box. And, and then the pitcher's there, right? Let's imagine Joe. Joe, could you raise your hand? Joe. That's Joe. That's the pitcher. I know it's kind of far. It's maybe it's like, like uh, the big leagues. So give me your stance. The pitcher's getting ready. What happens, John? What happens if you know the ball is going to hit you? Tell us first. Tell us first. Turn your back. So how, how did you know that? Who told you that? That's his other, his other cousin. But the coaches tell, hopefully they tell you that too. But so, so, so if Joe throws the pitch and it's gonna hit you, you know it's gonna hit you, what do you do? Show us. You turn your back, right? You just, you let it hit you. You don't get out of the batter's box, right? You stay, you stay in, you stay concrete, you stay, and it's gonna hurt, right? Have you ever been hit by the ball? I remember I actually saw that game. Um, thank you, John. That's good. Can we give it up for John? That's a good illustration. You can go. Oh, oh, oh show, us, show us your swing carefully. Show us your swing. He's a, he's a good batter. Oh, yeah, you almost. That's good. All right, thanks, John. Go ahead. 
you guys, thank you. You guys are good. So, okay. I use that illustration because I remember being in, in Little League and in baseball, and then I, I kind of got up to pony ball, and pony ball was another story. But I want to talk about, just really quick, I want to use an illustration, a story, a narrative of baseball. And I know there's not, not every man has played baseball or woman. I, I know Kelly played softball, but I know there's, we at least have the concept, like you've at least been to a baseball game or seen it sometime on TV. And I remember, I remember thinking about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a boy. And, and I just, I love what sports do to you as a child. And especially, I've seen it in my nephews. I mean, especially John and Luke, like, they don't care if they get hit. It's, it's, it's actually really intriguing to me. Like, they just know the ball's coming. And I remember I saw, the, literally the ball hit him in the helmet. And the pitcher, because... He was a little bit older than John, and if you can go back, I'm going to go back with you, so go with me to this story. I remember being in Little League, and man, I did not like the ball, especially when I was a hitter. I was afraid of the ball, and that's not good to be afraid of the ball if you're going to play baseball, but I learned through my coach and really through my father to, to stand in the box and then as I got older, I learned that when the ball is coming, and man, that sucker comes fast sometimes, especially there was a guy named Corey Pedelford. If he ever hears this, Corey frightened me. He had long, blonde hair, and he was, he was a little bit older than me, and he was just looked strong. And he was, he was a pitcher, and I, I hated when he pitched because he kind of knew how to throw, like, change-ups. We were in Little League and curveballs. And I just, I remember... I would always be worried about being in the batter's box, but I realized as I got older, I am not going to win or help the team unless I step up. And I didn't conceptualize that on my own like a little boy. My, my father was the one who, who provoked that in me, my coach. And I remember, like, being in the batter's box and just, and then I got used to it. Did you notice when you play baseball, you just get used to it. And, man, it's coming. And then you practice, and it's coming, and you, and you start learning how to swing. But when Corey would pitch, I remember I'd be up there, and I, has ever, have you ever seen a little voice? Yeah, it's like, and I remember thinking, looking back to my childhood, like, man, I, I, I learned this, this thing called courage when I was a little boy. But it was, it was encouraged, it was comforted, and it was urged from my father and from my coach. Because here's what happens. That's life, by the way. Men, that's life. We know that. And I know there's fathers and there's older men in this room that could be telling me this just as much as to you, and, and there's a lot I can learn, but I've learned in my lifetime thus far as a 28-year-old, right, that life can get really challenging and hard, and the ball is coming, and it's probably for sure at times in my life going to hit me, correct? You're going to get hit by the ball, but what happens is if I just live my life in worry and in fear, I will miss out on the contact, because, man, there's something that happens when you make contact with a ball. And then you learn through your coach, through your dad, like how to, the functions and the technique and how to swing right and how to see it right. And when you make contact with life, that, that happens, by the way. Did you know that? You make contact and, and all of a sudden it's like, man, 
I'll get back in the box all day. That felt good. And I, I, I want to encourage that, like, that is what's so essential in what Paul is trying to tell us in our community and specifically to the men. I mean, imagine like little Johnny. Let's just say it's not John because he's not like this. But little Johnny, we'll use that name, little Johnny. And, and the coach who usually sits on the bucket is watching, right? And, and little Johnny, he gets in and he's worried about the pitch and he keeps stepping back. And so the coach calls timeout and, he, and there's a verbal encouragement. And then he goes back in the batter's box, and then the, the guy just, the Corey, throws that fastball, and it's just terrifying. And so he backs up again, and the, and the coach calls times out. And, and this time, no, 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 hear my words careful. There's, there's, a, there's a, a proximity of touch, right? You put, he, the, the man or the father or the coach puts his hand, this is for life, puts his hand on his son's shoulder and says, Johnny, you can do this, man. I know it's hard. And there's a, there's a component of touch, of physical, actual touch. That's important, by the way. The culture is trying to get rid of that. I don't know if you knew that. Please, it's, it's, it's really essential that there is some form of physical contact to the sun. Johnny, you could do this. And then it's the urge. And that is like the summon. Kind of like how I call John. Hey, John, come up. Like he had to make a choice, right, to come up or not. That's an urge. It's a summon. And, and so this is the one I like the most. This is the one we need to hear about the most. It is a summon to action. So then the coach, after the third time, he did the boy just, he, he all right, Johnny, you're going to get in the box and you're going to hit the ball. And, and, and I want to encourage you because I'm using my speech and I, I'm, I'm putting my hand on you. You can do this. Now, you're afraid, but get back in the box and swing. Just swing. Just swing. That is like now it's a whole other level of encouragement. It's, it's an action. And when I look at the scriptures, I look at how, you know, you begin in the game in life and you can contribute to the game when you swing and you stay in the box and you can help the team win. You can help your family win. You can help your children grow up and, and win. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, the study is staggering on the father. I don't know if you knew this brief statistic. This was actually done a couple years ago, so I'm curious what it is right now. 43% of U.S. children live without the, their father. 43%. That, that is like meaning there is absolutely no father in the picture. Not an adoptive father, not a guardian, fatherly figure. There's just no man in, in the young child's life. There is a father absence crisis in America. This was actually the 2020 census. According to the U.S. census, 18.3 million children, which is one in four, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all social ills facing America today. So the first is to encourage or to show up with speech. And this is important. We as fathers have something to say. Did you know that? That your dad, that you as a father, as a man, and as a figure to, to a young child, you have something to tell them. And those around us, they need to hear our words. Dad, your, your sons and daughters, your children, they need to hear what you have to say of encouragement, of speech. I'll never forget, uh, there's a story of, of me and my dad, and the first is he was encouraging me, and 
you know, you could say things without having to yell. I remember him telling me that. And it was actually in regards to baseball. I had a coach that I didn't like. He was mean. And he was like, he would cuss. And my, my, I didn't, wasn't raised in a home like that. And so it was like aggressive and it was kind of scare me. And I remember going, the, the, the baseball field was just right down the street. And my, my father, I'll never forget, he was in an S10 and he was, you know, he was doing the, the driving. And, and I remember I said, Dad, I'm, I don't want to go because he's going to get mad at me for being late. I was going to be late. I already knew it. And, and I was like, Dad, he cusses, like he yells and and, and my dad said, you can say things without having to yell, Sammy. He said, you, you should not get down to their level. I'm a little boy. I'm like six years old. And I remember he said, you can also say things without cussing. So in life, very practical. You don't have to get angry with someone you disagree with. You can be polite. You can talk about it. When it's your boss or it's someone you disagree with, you don't have to use your anger to get something across. That was a speech. That was a, a, a encouragement my dad gave to me. And then I'll never forget when I disagreed with my dad, he would always say, if mom or I did something you don't agree with, then do it better with your kids. You know? It's a good one, right? And I, and I remember thinking as a little boy, like, yeah, sure, dad. And then I get older and I'm like, wow, like, maybe there are some things that they did that I want to capitalize on. Or maybe there are some things that I just have learned that I want to do different. And it was this, like, call to act. It was this encouraging word that my dad gave me. And it was, you can do better. You can be better. And I, I really do believe that the role of a dad or a man or a father, and it's really careful that you have to pull out the best in your son or daughter and sometimes that can get aggressive, and I'm not talking about physical, it's just like it's an innate thing within us to be aggressive towards something and have courage and get excited, like you can do this, Johnny, and you pull out the very best in them, and so there's judgment that's involved with that, Do you? right? Can you agree? There's judgment that's involved with that, healthy judgment. You didn't do this, and I, I told you to do that, and so why are we doing that as fathers, or as I would hope fathers do, it's because... We're trying to teach our children how to live in a social world and also how to fear God. And I really do believe that that's what Jesus does to us. I mean, look at the disciples in the scriptures. He, he calls out the very best in them, and there is a pushback. There is an encouragement. There is a call to more. So the question is, are you encouraging your family? Are you encouraging them with words specific words towards them are you looking them in the eye and telling them something that is worthwhile towards their future and they are they uplifting words I mean because you can speak all day and they could just like be really devastating broken hurtful words that's not helpful are your words bringing them down the next one is is comfort and it's to show up with physical touch and now this one's really delicate, I get it, I understand it, but good luck with the fathers not doing that to their sons or daughters. Good luck with that. And that's the, that's the culture right now, man. Like that's the society is to say, have nothing to do with like, that's weird, that's off. And in the school systems and the public systems, there's like, it's, it's like getting rid of any type of physical touch. And I get that and there's some brokenness to that. But if we just throw that out, well, what does that look like for us? 
with a hug or with an arm over their shoulder, not intimidated with the emotional side of proximity. I, I think that that is the call to men today is, is to learn the side of a mother. And, and I don't know if you knew this, but like moms or women, I hope this doesn't offend you, but it's just like biological. Women kind of know who they're called to be innately, biologically. You can only bear a child. I can't, right? Like, that's interesting. So God has already established something within your system of tenderness and mercy and grace and love and compassion. That's why, like, man, there were so many times when Lenny would wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, how is Kelly not upset right now? Oh, my gosh, like, she's just going crazy with crying. And then Kelly would just, oh, sigh and get up. And she was there you know, holding Lenny, and I'm like, man, there's something different in Kelly that I've never seen before. It's this, it's this tenderness, it's this mercy, and it's tilted towards tenderness. And I would argue that men don't know what we're supposed to do. You don't know. You have no idea. I, I, I mean, unless you have a father figure to tell you to call something out of you. And the problem is there's a lack of fatherhood and, and strong men in our culture. And now, like, look at the world in America, like, there has to be some ramifications of that. And so when I look around the room, I also know there's, there's men that aren't married. Hopefully you want to get married one day, right? And I know there's men that maybe have kids. Well, hopefully you make a decision to, to bring the unity of the family, biblically, coming together in, in one unit and not playing games anymore and not being comfortable anymore. Like taking a challenge for your life and stepping up as a man and as a father, and, you know, when I'm talking to younger guys, and I know I'm young, but I mean, like, 19 and 20 years old, I'm like, you're going to get married one day, man. you got to figure that out. Like, that's important. So there's this speech and there's this comfort, the emotional side of proximity or the intentionality of physical touch. Comfort coming in the form of encouraging speech, but this time with proximity. Like a coach does to a young boy or girl, and it's like, hey, you can do this, and there's like a, a shoulder hug, right, like a, a dad, I mean, my father was one of my coaches when I was in Little League, and, and I remember he would do that to me, and my brothers would do that to me, and there's something about that, and there's an assurance of your presence, and that's another thing, like, I just want to be the type of dad that, that I have proximity, and I'm, I'm present with my, my children, my future children with Lenny, I have proximity, that's important, the scripture talks about it. So when I went off to college, I'll never forget this moment. I'll never forget it because, you know, my, my dad was he, was, he was straightforward and he was logical. And, and he, it was right, wrong, yes or no. He would say that all the time to me, like, Sammy, life is simple. Life is simple. It's, it's yes, no, right or wrong. Like, like, have that in your bucket, like, in your mind. And whenever you go through something, ask yourself that question. Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it yes or is it no? And then I look at scripture, and that's what, like, like, it's all proverb. Like, let your yes be your yes, and your no be your no. And, and also, so he was kind of like, my dad was, he, was, he wasn't a distant dad, but sometimes I didn't feel that, like, that physical touch and that assurance when I was a little boy. It was like, you can just do better and be better. And, of course, I had my mom that was tender and loving. And that's why God created the family unit. Like, how on earth can mom just do that all the time? Be the loving, tender-hearted person and then flip the switch and be the, like, ultra-disciplinary. That's hard for a mom to do. And I'll never forget when I was going off to college, 
I'm an emotional guy, like innately. And I, I, you know, I was standing by to my mom and dad, and I was going off to Bible school, and it was like in Springfield, Missouri. And, and I, I remember my brother Paul was driving me there, and so he was waiting for me. And I, you know, I had that long emotional hug with my mom, and I was crying. And, you know, like, oh, I'm good. And then I, I went up to my dad, and I remember, I, like, I, I went to shake his hand, and he pulled me in. He pulled me in, and he, he held me really tight. I mean, I can't remember moments like that tight. And then he said something with his words. He said, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, Sammy. And that, that was it. That was it. It was a hug of, of comfort. And it was, I'm proud of you. And, and, and I mean, that just messed me up. Like, for the next 30 minutes, my brother's probably like, dude, all right, man. I'm just like crying in the car like, dang, like, my dad, like, I needed that. And I just have learned that it's so important to be intentional with the people around you, especially your, 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 your little ones. There's something that happens, like, in, your, in their brain. I mean, that's a whole other story. I, like, oh, God, like, just look up the, the, what happens to a child's brain when this is taking place. I didn't know if, if you know this, but, like, literally from one month to, like, seven months, when a specific father, when the father has physical touch with the little baby, the baby's brain, for some reason, the man, it like, the plasticity, the, like, it just blows in their little brain, like, little mind, a little child, little one-month-old, and then I was like, I was reading, and I was like, whoa, that's crazy, like, up until like 11 months, the father should actually play with the child, and I just want to do that already, like, Lenya, like, gets ticklish on her sides, and I'm like, I go and put my chin on her side, and she's like laughing, and then she crawls away, because she knows I'm going to come, and and I'm like, dang, I didn't even know that this is actually helping her develop. And so I must be intentional, and we must be intentional. We must take this thing serious. I love you, and I'm proud of you. It's a comfort with speech. And then here is my favorite one, and, and I'll, I'll end with this one. It's, it's the urge or the summon, like I did with like my nephew John. It's the language literally Paul uses as, as someone testifying in court. The urge. Like, come on up here, or get in the batter's box, or I don't want to go to the game. I'm, I'm scared of the pitcher. Dad, I'm scared of the pitcher. Sorry, son, we're going to the game, and you're getting in the batter's box. That's that, like, active urge of, of, of encouragement. This is one of the greatest roles, I believe, as a father. It's a call to more. It's a call to action. And this is to the men too, this is to myself included, it's a call to be the best that is within you. A call to, to be a disciple, an apprentice with Jesus. A call to effort, I mean it takes effort to do this. <laughs> Worship, you guys can come on up. I was actually having a conversation with, with Dr. Felix and, you know, he's the theologian, we all know that for sure. And... He said something about the book of Revelation, and it, my mind's just been on fatherhood for so long these last two weeks. And, and you know, when you look at Revelation, there's this, this correlation of, of, of Jesus. And, you know, it talks about, like, worshiping God and, and thousands upon thousands of people worshiping. And then there's this imagery that takes place, this narrative imagery. And it's, it's, it says that John says, and, and, and he he was the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? I mean, I don't know about you, 
but I want to be to my children like a lion. I want my, my, my daughter to know me as the protector. I mean, if someone's coming to the house, forget it. If someone's coming up, if a little boy comes up to her and does something, forget it. Like, if another little girl does something, I'm going to the principal's office and I'm going to talk to the teacher, forget it. Like, I am the lion and I will defend you. And there's, there's, there's a voice with that, right? There's a roar with that. There's, there's something masculine about that. And we don't want that in our culture, though. No, no, we don't want that stuff. But that's so important. And then, and then it says, and then, and then I turned and I saw, I heard the lion and I saw a slaughtered lamb. What does that mean? And of course, it was me and my mom, and I was upset with her. And I, I learned, I looked back on that as an adult, and I said, it's because I always wanted to belong. I was the last of four sons. I wanted to be a part of the room. If you use the language, I wanted to be at the table. And my mom would allow me to do that. And she taught me how to be tender-hearted. That's the tilt of the mother. But then my dad, man, when he stepped up, it was a roar. But it was also a humility. Did you know that? That you can, you can be the strongest possible leader and still be the most humble, the most, the, the most servant-like, just filled with humility. That's who Jesus was, by the way. And so this urge, it calls forth, here it is, and I'll end with this, it calls forth courage. When I'm in the batter's box of life, I need to have courage. I need it. And where do I get it? Like, where, where does it come from? Like, I'll look in society. I'll look in culture. I'll try to find someone that can provoke that in me. But I need my dad to do that. I need the strong voice of a lion to say, you can get in the box. And Sammy, you're going to get hit. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. But the more you're in the box of life, and the more you get prepared to swing, and what happens is eventually you're going to make contact and it's going to feel amazing. And there's this aim that takes place, but I must take on courage. All of us, guys, we, we need courage, man. We need courage in our lives. We need to step up and be courageous. I know it doesn't make sense. I know the finances aren't there, but step up and marry her. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult because I've seen my, my origin. And maybe you look at your own father who's tough. Step up and have courage and make a difference for your future. I know it, it's, 